off on another epic episode of the Hyper Anomalous Esoteric Research Organization podcast, aka Hero Paranormal, broadcasting from the base at La Madre Mountain, just south of Area 51. My name is Ryan, the paranormal pontificator of the airwaves, bringing you a tremendously interesting episode tonight. It's a weird one, but it's true. Dowsing in occultism is the use of a forked piece of hazel, rowan, or willow wood, or a Y-shaped metal rod, or a pendulum suspended by a nylon or silk thread in an attempt to detect such hidden substances as water, minerals, treasure, archaeological remains, and even dead bodies. This has become quite the lost art. And it's hard to find people who use this type of divination and attempt to locate groundwater, buried metals, ores, gemstones, oil, etc. People that use divining rods have been known by many terms. And among them, diviners, water witch, dowsers, The hidden knowledge with the aid of supernatural powers seems to be something of the past, and it's hard to find people who still practice using a fork stick, rod, pendulum, or similar device to locate these things. Is it the real deal, or just the stuff of woo? Many have not suspended their disbelief to see for themselves. For centuries, dowsers have claimed the ability to find groundwater, precious metals, bodies, and other items using divining rods and, of course, uncanny intuition. Aside from intuition, they search the landscape for clues. A valley, say, cottonwoods, different types of trees and bushes. Geologic maps are used. They scan for underground pockets where water may pool. There is something to it all, and it seems to work. Dowsing is the old world way of finding things. It is not definitively a science. However, it is a method born before the enlightenment of true hard scientists. However, many of those who hire dowsers say they don't need to know the science behind it. They don't need to know how the magic works. All they care about is that it does work. And... We have someone today who has a track record of it working. His name is Otto. Otto the Dowser. He has been on a lot of interesting projects, spending weekends following the Oregon Trail, finding out the true history of the Oregon Trail, which is a mystery itself. Another mystery 
is why everybody has not subscribed to be a patron for Hero Paranormal. If you'd like to subscribe, there is a ton of content behind the paywall. Go to Patreon, search for Hero Paranormal, and subscribe. You can also go to HeroParanormal.com. Well, let's get into it. Dinosaur heads, aliens, UFOs, and dowsing along the mysterious Oregon Trail and high strangeness found in the Hyuinta Mountains of Utah. Otto, welcome to the Hero Paranormal Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad uh, you're going to listen to my story today that I have to share with you, Brian. I'm very excited. I've heard tidbits here and there, and I know it's going to be a good one. I think so. I think you'll be interested. I'll start off with me and my grandson do our yearly hikes up into the wilderness of the Uintas, and on that July day, we were up there doing our hiking, and we camped at our usual camp spot with a fire going, and uh, starting to get dusk, and uh, I commented to my grandson, I says, we haven't seen any contrails like we usually do of airplanes passing over. And he says, you know, you're right, Grandpa. And then he looked up where the tree line quits up in one of the peaks, and he goes, there's something that just dropped out of the rain cloud up there. And I says, I can't see it, Merrick. And he says, look, Grandpa, right there, it's got a flashing light on it. And then I looked, and I says, oh, yeah, now I see it. And uh, we kept an eye on it, and I says, Merrick, I think this thing's coming at us. It's getting bigger and bigger. And sure enough, this object uh, that we first seen was coming, and it is just cruising over the top of the trees toward us. And, Ryan, this was like a big dinner bell, like the triangle of, a, of a, the dinner thing, and it was flying upright. And it had red lights going on the outside of this thing. And as it approached us, it was up above. If you can visualize, we were in a clearing, and there is a, a, a little hill up above us. And it stopped up there on top of that hill where there's some pine trees up on top. And it, when it stopped, these green lights started going in the center of it, and it kept going back and forth, back and forth. And then it decided to get down and land behind there. And that's when things got interesting. <laughs> Started scaring both of us, you know, and I'm the adult in the situation. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. <laughs> and uh, I looked at my phone, and it was, uh, I kept track of the time of the landing, but then 45 minutes went by. I, don't, I didn't know what happened in the 45 minutes. And when I looked back at my phone, you know, that's when I knew there was almost an hour they were on the ground, and we seen this object take off. And then it just slowly went to the west and disappeared. Well, then it was two years later, me and my grandson decided to hike up into that area, and we found where it landed, and there, it left a big triangle mark in that area, and I didn't think anything of it. Then I got this gift of dousing. I don't know where it came from. I just started dousing. For some reason, I don't know. And I started dousing, and I started finding all these Indian graves hiking up to this area. 
where we were camped on the trail. But when I went up to that particular landing area, there are no bodies buried there in that landing craft area. They're buried everywhere else, but not there. I don't know why, but makes makes the mind wonder. So my grandson goes, he goes, uh, Grandpa, while you're there, you uh, try to douse her bodies here where they landed. So I did, and sure enough, I didn't think I'd pick anything up, but there was uh, four bodies buried, two on one of the corners, and then one on each of the lower corners of the landing area. And uh, they measured a little over four feet, and I could tell the sexes of the bodies. I'm I'm 100% on those, Ryan, and uh, there's no gender. There's absolutely no gender in those bodies. And I found that a little strange. And uh, my mind's been going ever since. So I said something to one of my customers. I says, Kip, I says, you ain't going to believe it, but right up there where I used to elk hunt, we've seen a UFO. And he says, oh, that's weird. We elk hunt about six, seven miles west of you, and one of our hunting party had the same experiences two years prior from your sighting. And it was just came down early in the morning and buzzed right through a clearing. And he said, that individual won't leave camp again. It just scared the daylights out of him. And so we talked a little bit more, and Kip says the old man that uh, told them about this hunting spot says he's seen it 30 years prior. So this thing has been around a while, or several crafts, I do not know, Ryan, but I find that very, very interesting that they are in that area. Yeah, and you and I have talked before, earlier today, and I I don't want to um, give people too many clues, I uh but can we tell people generally what state this was in? Uh, the the state, mm-hmm. yeah, it's in it's in Utah, and it's in the the north the north slope of the Uintas. So if you go on the other side, you have the White Rock Indian Reservation, and then you have the Bottle Hollow Resort, and then you have uh, all the ongoings of the ranches down there. You know the Skinwalker Ranch, and everything else. So this is in the whole line of everything right there, if that helps you. That's very helpful. And also, to give listeners a little background, you have extensive experience dowsing and have been following the Oregon Trail, finding bodies and other things. So you would obviously know and be able to tell if these had gender. So this was kind of an anomaly, wasn't it? Yes, it actually threw me for a loop, Ryan. I I could not believe that uh, those rods will act. Uh, I know when I'm over a body, I can actually feel it. And they'll usually give me a gender right away. They would not move. And I know they were bodies in there. And uh, I'm 100% on when I douse, because I'll go to a graveyard to make sure I'm not second-guessing myself and my grandsons will cover the marker up and they'll have me say boy or girl you know and stuff like that and i'm 100 percent on these and i'm also able to find the dinosaurs now doing this and pick up their genders it's really just coming a long way so and then i'm stumbling on greater burial grounds some of them are a mile square of indians and this one here is a new one that i discovered and the indians 
they uh, Ryan have never kept record of uh, how they bury. You know, uh, I've been finding that they'll bury the females separate from the males. And as I, I go through these burial uh, areas, they never deviate. They never uh, mess up and put a male accidentally into a female burial ground. How did they? How did they do that for thousands of years? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just that I find it just so fascinating. And I ask Indian people about it, and nobody can give me an answer why they separated the male from female. That's interesting. That's a- and yes, for, for those listeners that aren't familiar with dowsing and it's been used for hundreds of years and you've mentioned that it can be used to find bodies. It can also be used to find treasure and water and other items. Exactly. Yep. And, and how did you, how did you come across this gift that you have? You're quite a sage in the field. How, how did this come it, across? It just it started after I've seen this UFO. My whole life has changed. And uh, for some reason, I don't ask me why, I uh, just started doing it. And for some reason, I just started finding bodies. And then this is all I do now. Every weekend, I go up and this is all I do is uh, try to solve all these mysteries and history, what history writes. And it's just so fascinating that every trip gets better and better and better. I have some burial grounds where I found where a tree would seed, put a seed on one of the uh, Indian graves, and that tree would only grow six inches, and then it will do a whole 90 degree and grow sideways and then grow up after it clears the body. And so my grandson says, oh, that's just a fluke, Grandpa. And I says, Merrick, look at this one over here. And I said, there's four bodies buried, and this tree is going all the way until it clears those four bodies and goes up. And I can send you some pictures of those, if you would like, Ryan. That's neat. And, you know, I'm brought back... And I'll even send you uh-huh. a picture of the outline of the craft where it landed, and you'll see the triangle and where the bodies are buried. You know, the triangular shape is really interesting, Otto, because even recently there's been a lot of footage and locals there in the Uinta Basin capturing images of triangular craft. So... This is, uh, yeah, this is very likely. Yeah, so they're still around. And I thought maybe it was just a fluke, but, you know, my one customer, Kip, he told me they'd seen it two years prior when my sighting happened, and the old gentleman 30 years prior then. So there is something going on up there, and they were not scared of us, of no means, because obviously they deposited bodies there. And for people that... um disregard dowsing i i'd like to mention that people used to bet their lives on hiring dowsers before ground penetrating radar and light lidar and water sciences etc in yeah. fact i was just reading an article um the other day about someone that said he still hires dowsers and prefers them he doesn't need to know the science behind it he just hires them because it works you're you're absolutely right and they're starting to use it to find homicide victims and stuff that are buried, you know, in the wild. Some of some of the dowsers are so good they can start picking it up a quarter mile away. And I, I'm getting that the more you do it, the better you get. I start feeling it when I'm coming close to a body. I can feel the electricity in my spine, and it's just a strange feeling, Ryan, and it, it's just awesome. 
And I know there's a few different methods. There's some people use wooden items. Um, however, I believe if, uh, when we were talking before, you said you use the rods. Is that correct? That's correct. And, and I, I started out just with coat hangers, and now um, I'm in the scrap business. So I use uh, I just made me some brass brass rods, and they look cool and that. But any, any anything with metal will work. And uh, to give you an example, how I know the gender is. If the rod, if you hold one rod in the hand and if it turns clockwise, it'll be a male and counterclockwise is a female. This is so interesting. And getting back to you following um, the Oregon Trail, the true history of the Oregon Trail is a little bit different than what we may expect. You found some telltale signs that uh, things might have oh. been a little harsher than we thought. Oh, man. Oh, I, I, it is just mind-boggling how many people have passed. Um, I, it gives me shivers just to think about it, and it is, uh, it's, it, it's just so sad. And, and, and you can tell what these people meant to their families by what rocks they marked the graves with. And the Indians did the same. Uh, it, it is just, it brings tears to your eyes how much it meant to them because they don't have a lot to give. And that is the thing that they left for them as their token. And it, they find the most beautiful rock they can find and mark those graves. And like I told you a little earlier, I found a chief's grave a while ago and, uh, they call it an effigy where, uh, there'd be a rock that could be like a buffalo shape or a human head or whatever and they mark it as a gift. Well, as I started doing the chief, I found two other braves buried with him and then a young boy. So I regifted them as a thanks, and I gave each one of the Indians, I found some of the old knives that they made out of rock and gifted them, but I gave the young boy a dinosaur egg I found. And then I happened to douse a little bit past there, and I found the three horses that were buried with them. So that, that horse was everything to them, and they chose to kill the horses to bury with these people. So they were very, very important. You know, things like that just fascinate me. My mind goes, and you wonder what happened, you know. And there were, the history is wild. There were a lot of skirmishes back then. And according to a little bit of the history I've been able to dig up, uh, the Oregon Trail is known as the nation's longest graveyard. And Oh, oh it is. It is, and it, even little branches of it where they decided, we don't want to go to California. Mm -hmm. We want to go back to the Oregon Trail. Well, I found one of those, and I started, it's one of these, that's a sleeper trail is what I started dousing on there. And holy smokes. What I found there is just mind-boggling. I found an old shoe from there that's all wrinkled up, the leather and everything. It was a girl shoe, and you could tell the hardship she went through, how the holes were worn through it. And just, I, I'm thinking, wow, the suffering she went through. And I swear, Ryan, I think I found it where they, they buried her. It must have fell off. It was just laying underneath a bunch of brush all, you know, from the weather of over, what, almost 200 years or 100 years ago. It was just, uh, it's so sad. You you just think what she went through, the suffering, to end up being buried right there nowhere, you know. That's true. And it was hard just, and that's if, if everything went right, it was still hard. I mean, they're saying only yeah. one in 10 people who set off on the trail made it. Yeah. And it is the dirty water that got most of them, you know, 
Yeah. And they say they could wake up healthy in the morning and be dead in that afternoon. And I did read some diaries of some young girls. And one of the places they said is we found a spring and the coldest water was running out. The wagon master said we could stay there an extra day. So they were all celebrating, doing their laundry and cleaning up and everything. And they all decided to start riding in the cliffs. I found that place, Ryan. And it's not a tourist place. It's out nowhere. And she said the sagebrush is 10 feet tall. And I went there and the sagebrush is still 10 feet tall. The water's still running and the the signatures are starting to disappear because of the erosion, but there's still signatures there. And I just thought, I'm walking what this girl wrote about, you know? Yeah. It is just so cool. And I, 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 I can't believe the, the numbers I'm looking at. I mean, it, it sounds like close to a half a million people traveled along that trail. Yes. Upwards of 65,000 died along that trail. So I can see how it is you, you're coming across so much. And it sounds like the true history might be even double of that. Exactly. It is. It is. And that's what blew me away is 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 it's just so so much so much sorrow that they went through and uh it's just fascinating it's just i'm finding uh i'm still finding ryan graves with the wagon spokes as markers for the graves or a wagon tongue where they have like six or seven people buried uh, that whole length of the wagon tongue you know it it, it's just it's just amazing and have you had a chance? I know that Immigration Canyon would be part of this trail, I believe. Is that correct? Have you gone up there at all? I have not. Nope. Uh, all of my experiences are on the trail that go from Fort Bridger, and then they'll head over to the Idaho area. where they uh, At Fort Bridger, you have the choice of either going to Salt Lake, or if you wanted to, you could hurry up and go back and hit the Orchid Trail. So I'm doing the branches from Fort Bridger, that go toward the Oregon Trail. It's up there by La Barge is where the main trail crosses. Okay. So, and yeah, that's a pretty rough area. Well, you know, it, even still, yeah. it's a pretty rough area. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. When when you so go up, when you go up there, do you usually camp, take an RV, or how how do you? Nope. I just do it for a day trip. It takes me two hours from Ogden to get there. Okay. Leave early in the morning, and I'll spend all day till the sun goes down, and then head back. And looking at the markers, you know, it just through the history books, like you said, people would use whatever they could gather. Some, and a lot of times, it looks like most of the graves weren't uh, marked at all. Nope, just with a rock. Unbelievable. They mark just like the Indians did, just with a little rock. And sometimes I'll find a big rock that they'll stick up, you know, that uh, they've really went the extra mile, you know, to mark it was a special grave to do that. But now I'm starting to find these shrines that the Indians used, and they're bringing huge rocks in. And then I'll find a mass grave of horses on one side and a, and a bunch of graves on the other of the braves, and, and I cannot figure out. Did they have a skirmish amongst themselves? Because you got to figure these people were walking upright, these Indians, when King Tut was alive. Mm-hmm. That's how far back this is all going. And uh, Columbus hasn't even landed yet. So I'm walking where these guys have walked 
lived and died. And I, I find it just so fascinating that I, I've got the privilege of experiencing this in my lifetime. Absolutely. This is just fascinating being not only being in these incredibly remote areas, but what you're finding and obviously this UFO connection is mind blowing. When you did see the UFO, have you have you seen anything online or you know, in videos, etc, that would look similar to it? Or was it just out of this world? Um, I haven't ever seen anything like this one. It didn't make any noises, you know. It was just as quiet as can be. And I've never seen a triangle fly upright. So I, I view it as a triangle. It could have been a pyramid shape. I do not know. But uh, from where we were sitting, it appeared as a triangle. You know, it could have been a pyramid, you know, with another, um, oh, I don't know, another angle on the backside. I don't know. But it was kind of getting dark, and it was. It looked like a triangle we were sitting. But it was upright, not laying. And I measured it. I walked off the footprint where it landed, and it's 30 feet by 30 feet by 28 feet. So that's the size that I pretty much could get out of the size of the craft. Unbelievable. And like you said, this 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 triangular shape has been seen time and time again in the Uinta Basin. I know that um, Joseph Jr. Hicks and Frank Salisbury wrote a book called The Utah UFO Display. And they uh-huh. wrote down a lot of cases where there seemed to be triangular craft up to something in the Uinta Basin. What do you think it was up to, if you had to guess? I have no idea. All I can think of is, how did these people die on that craft when they put them in the ground there? What happened? You know, were they in a battle? Did they have a disease? What went on? I'm probably one of the few people that know where there's a burial ground for them, if you want to know the truth. I've never heard anybody else find anything. Mm -hmm. And... uh, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating. And after this experience, my whole life has changed to what I'm doing now. I never dreamed I'd be doing this on my time off every weekend. What a great way to bond with your family members and what you're doing. And not only that, what a great gift to have. And following the Oregon Trail, I mean, this is pretty amazing. I, I can't even imagine doing something like this with a family member of mine. And as I read into the history of the trail, it was so rough. You know, they said that shootings were common, but it was so rough that it was usually yes. p- people shooting themselves. It was that hard. Yes, yes. And, and, and you think about it, they, they gambled everything they have in life to start a new life. And like you say, a lot of them didn't even make it, you know, so... And I'm walking what their eyes have seen because nothing's changed out there, be it the Indian tribes or the white people. Mm-hmm. When I walk, I see what they've seen, and it's just fascinating. And I take that all in and account, you know, to what I'm doing. And I take a few people with me, and they are just fascinated. There's an individual that uh, wants me to show him a little bit of my dousing. He's going to be making a movie about the Oregon Trail. So we'll see how that goes. That is so neat. And there was a cholera outbreak along the Oregon. I mean, as if it wasn't hard enough, it sounds like that killed uh, uh, just a bunch of them. Oh, yes. That that was the main killer right there. And, 
Yeah, it, it it's just so sad. And and when you find these graves, it, I I would love to take some groups with me and just have them enjoy it because it is just something I'd want to share. You know, somebody that wouldn't be face it or it, they you have to kind of have an oath on this, you know, and leave the rocks that they mark with because they're pretty rocks. I always say a little prayer or if I find a grave and it doesn't have a rock, I will find a rock that isn't on a grave and remark that grave and tell them thanks and, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's just fascinating and, and humble too. It humbles me greatly. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I, aside from the sickness, there were a few, you know, there was the cholera epidemic, but there were a few, I guess, massacres or murders along the way. Have you found any areas that had more bodies than others? Uh, it, it depends. It depends uh, how big the wagon train was. Uh, I do, I do find some um, that were, uh, um, have a, quite a few more. And I also found some where they used lye and they but you can tell that saturating out from the grave it's all white around the grave that they were scared the animals would dig up i stumble on those and i also noticed any graves that have been kind of dug by animals every one of them are female not male and i kind of wonder why you know that is kind of fascinating to me too is why would an animal only dig on a female do they admit something other than what a male would you know that's right so yeah and you know along the alien theories of what may have been happening there seems to be a bit of a following about aliens on the Oregon Trail and it makes you wonder why this paranormal aspect would follow a trail that was used so long ago. Right. And I actually found where the Indians, and I'll send you a picture of this so you know I'm telling you the truth, that they made a head that looks like an alien head I found. And I found, and I call it their prayer area, I found seats out of, out of rocks everywhere where this head is. And it looks just like an alien head. And I'm going, how would they carve this thing out like this, you know, it, without seeing him? Mm -hmm. And it, it just, it's just the more I do this, the, the, the cooler things I find. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll send you some of these pictures, though, Ryan, and, and, and you'll see what I mean. And I'll send you the picture, the outline where the UFO landed, so you'll have that. That is so amazing. Um, somewhat nearby that area, I this was it's many years ago. Let's see, this would have been about nineteen ninety, late nineties. So um, I did see. I was up in the mountains there, and I saw some lights that I assumed were a car, and. Long story short, they drifted up into the sky, so they obviously weren't a car. And I was wondering, you know, doesn't seem like there's a road over there or that four-wheelers would be over there. So in the world of the paranormal, it seems like the Uinta Basin and not to mention the High Uintas have a long history of high strangeness. Have you come across anything else that's difficult to explain while on your travels? No, just uh, this is the first time I, I can clearly say I've ever seen a craft. And uh, I was a believer before, you know, but uh, this, this solidified my, my thoughts. It, it just totally blew me away. But, Ryan, while we're on that subject is I think this craft has been coming there because 
the Indians have seen it, and that's thousands of years ago, or a thou- over a thousand year- years ago, because they didn't bury in that landing area. That was a sacred area. Unbelievable. And, uh, it's, it, I, there, there, this has been going on for quite some time, and I would, there's some cliffs I want to explore to see if there's any drawings that I can see. I talked to one hunter, and he kind of gave me some cliffs to go back into that he thought he'd seen some, so... That'll be my next spring outing is heading to those to see uh, what I can read or decipher. But I'd sure share with you and whoever's interested. Yeah, I would love to hear more. And you mentioned that about uh, the male chiefs, that they would bury their horses with them. That's pretty amazing. Yes. And I just stumbled onto another one in the West Desert. And same thing. And they only kill the male horses to bury with the males. That's what I found interesting, too. There isn't a mare buried with them. They're all male horses. So they keep that male trend in the male area. That's what I find fascinating. They do not deviate from that. They don't bury on top of each other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And how do they know? With all these thousands of graves I find out there, how do they know not there's a grave there? Or which way he's lying so I don't bury on top of him? And uh, it just it makes the mind wonder. It does. And I want to point out that it's not just bodies. When people try to locate water, other minerals, I just heard a story from a friend of a man who owned some land and... He had some dowsers come out to be used to locate crude oil and natural gas deposits, and he had recently surveyed the property, and sure enough, the area they told him it was in, and the information he had was consistent with all the geophysical surveys of the area, he drilled, and there was oil, so there's a lot of cases of this working. I mean, it's not something, this is an ancient practice that seems to still have real-world value. Yes. And you know what's cool about it is everybody can try it. And you'll know if you have the gift. You'll see those rods go. And I try it with some of my customers who come into work. We start doing the small talk. And they are fascinated. They can't believe the power when those rods move. They go, I wouldn't have ever believe this, you know. <laughs> and I go, it's amazing. It's just amazing. And it only gets better. The more you do it, the stronger you get. It's just, it's, uh, Ryan, it's just such a cool gift. And, and you know, there are skeptics, of course, of dowsing, but in Utah, it seems like acceptance of the practice is more widespread. And it's said that uh-huh. Joseph Smith, the founder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, practiced the craft. And the oh. uh, president of the American Society of Dowsers uh, said that he was pretty darn good at it, apparently. So, um, wow. Have you I met? I did not know that. Yeah. Have you? Have you it seems like there's those who believe it's definitely worthwhile and those that don't. But have you come across any other dowsers in your neck of the woods? I actually haven't. I've introduced everybody into the dowsing world. And uh, uh, some of my colleagues have it and some don't. But the ones that don't, they, they, they see what goes on and what we turn up. And it, it, they are just as fascinated as, as I am when we do find them. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, like I say now, every weekend we're out and about. Doesn't matter if it's cold or hot, we're out there, and it's just it's just an awesome hot. 
That is so me. Trying to solve a riddle, I guess. And, you know, I've, I've even seen people online who still douse as, like, for a living. There's actually businesses that you can call, and you can, you can hire dowsers to come out and do water dowsing services, uh, locating municipal, agricultural, water wells, etc. So, I mean, there seems yeah. to be enough of, a, enough of a reality to it that people are making a business out of it in some cases. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. And, and and for what I'm doing, it's just fascinating. It's it's just opening up the world to what it's really. You talk about the UFO, that's future. I'm also going in the past, you know, with the with the Oregon Trail or the Indians. So I'm trying to see what how everything is correlated into this uh, craft that landed there. And like I say, there's got to be a reason why they didn't put any bodies in that particular meadow when all the other meadows have it around it. So this is this is where I'm at now, scratching my head. But I'll I'll come up with some, you know, kind of theories of mine. Yeah. And find more evidence and it, it's just fascinating. Now let me ask you about your dowsing rods. You said first you used just coat hangers and now yep. you're using brass. Is that correct? Now is that a copper dowsing yep. rod or is it solid brass? Just solid brass. Just solid brass. Yeah, and you can actually buy them online now. They have all these fancy dousing rods uh, you can get online. So it's getting more po- more popular, Ryan. It sounds like it. And I know that ghost hunters are now using it. I've seen that um, going on, and uh, as well as the pendulums. I've never never seen that before, but that seems I've to... Heard, yep, I've heard of that too. Uh-huh. But I don't use that. I just use the dousing rods and... And it it's just amazing how I, I from when I first started till now I have just in power wise I have just gotten better and better and better at it. Well, I mean, it yeah. makes sense. I mean, everything on this earth emits energy, and dowsing rods have been used for millennia by people trying to tap into the energy emitted by the earth and certain objects. Yes. Um, as you do it, when you walk, can you explain a little bit? Is there is there a trick to it? How do nope. you? Okay. You just you just hold them straight out, and as you approach any anything, you know, be it a water line or a body, they'll start to move and close. So how I know the length of the body is when it first closes, and I mark a line with my foot, and then I'll walk over that body until it opens, and it tells me if it's a child or an adult. And then I'll stand on that grave, and I'll use the one rod, and that's how I get the gender on the turning of that rod. And uh, the dinosaur one now, since I've been um, stumbling onto the bones and stuff like that, it just blew me away that I could pick them up and and identify the gender. Naturally, I I can't prove the dinosaur, you know, but it, it, it reads them. It reads them just like a body. Amazing. And I just heard a case in North Carolina where someone found a megalodon tooth, you know, one of those giant sharks, and they found it with dowsing. So, I mean, this this yeah. does seem to lend itself to the whole theory that it, it yeah. treats it the same as a body. Yep, I'm finding teeth and they pick up, the dowsing rods pick up the teeth. They pick up the eggs. I, I actually found a real big skull that has to weigh five, six hundred pounds. And uh, it, it, I, I, I could see it was a skull, but I doused it anyway, and it's a female skull. 
So it obviously was laying eggs up higher because the bone trail of this animal was up higher from the head. And the eggs are all up on the top, you know, so it's pretty interesting. That is super interesting. And so I'm dying to know, and I have to beg the question, these interesting bodies, which it sounds like have no gender, may possibly be alien. What are the plans, if any, on what to do with these? I know. I know. I'm up in the air. I wanted to have somebody video and me opening it, but I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. And I didn't want to ruin my good karma that they left me with, that I've been gifted of what my travels have led me to. I didn't want to violate their sacrilegious, whatever their burial rites are. But I definitely know they're in there. And it's just, uh, my grandson goes, what if it's just water, you know? And I go, they're exactly the same length, Merrick. I said, they are exactly the same length. It doesn't, you know, deviate. And uh, I just, I, I know they're in there. That is so interesting because from an archaeological, like an archaeological perspective, I don't know if that's, is it, is it, is it something you, I don't even know the laws around it. Is it something you can dig up? I, I agree with the karma, like yeah. you said, but it usually, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, these are mysterious things that. Yeah. And you know, in, uh, in reality, mm-hmm. nobody would even know I did it and I could see it for myself, but is it the right thing to do, you know, and that, but I'm, I, 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 I tell you, Ryan, I'm the only one that knows where they're buried, you know, mm-hmm. and their graveyard. And uh, I, I don't think you've heard of anybody fessing up to saying, hey, you know, I know where there's some. And uh, people are scared to say anything, you know. They view you like you're, you know, you're just not all there. But I've seen it. My grandson's seen it land. And then up there a year or two later, and uh, we've seen that triangle. The grass still hasn't fully grown back into there. And uh, the next trip, I'm going to take a handheld radiation monitor with me to see if there is any radiation in that area that's been left, especially the burial sites, you know. Yeah. And let me ask you this. Since you have been kind of going along these amazing same pathways as the pioneers, and I'm guessing that they had certain accessories, maybe rope or uh, wagon jacks or axles or tongues. Have you come across anything interesting like axes or saws or anything at all? Um, I actually, um, the most things I find would be uh, bottles or just old cans, wires. The shoe, the girl's shoe was one of the coolest things I found, and I actually still have that. Um, it, it, it's hard to tell how, because the leather's all just been, over the weather, you know, and stuff like that. And I just look at that periodically and just, you know, say a little prayer and, and look at the hardships she went through. The whole heels walked through. So the back of her foot was actually on the ground, you know, and she's laced them so many times. All the I, I, the little holes went through her just all wore out. So it is just uh, one of the coolest finds I had on the trail. But I did have an old gentleman very old gentleman that uh, had uh, some original wagon wheels he found on the trail that were down lower in a ravine, and he gifted them to me. So I did get a blessing of some wheels. 
and uh, I look at them periodically of the hardships, you know, and the stories they could tell. Yeah, that's amazing. And if for those that are not familiar with the Oregon Trail and where it went through in Utah, can you kind of explain not not an exact map, but just more or less how how it went along the uh, the Uintas and and uh, came out near Salt Lake, correct? Right. It, it actually follows the interstate. Um, if I see springs along uh, I-80, I'll stop and go over there and I'll douse around the springs and all the springs have bodies in, around them just off the freeway. You'd, people just drive right past it, you know. I also found a sundial in my travels in the cliffs where the Indians went and prayed. And not too long ago, I found a big eagle that's natural with the wings folded back. And uh, it is just one of the coolest things I've found. And it's right next to the interstate that millions of people drive by and they don't get to stop and enjoy. So, Pretty amazing. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, and um, I'm guessing when you say the interstate, you're talking uh, Interstate 40 and then 80, we're connected. 80 going to Colorado. 80. Yeah. Okay, 80 going to Out Colorado. Out of Evanston. Amazing. And, and along the ways, have you seen any of the – I guess there's still – there have to be still some a little bit of uh, – a trail left from all those oh, wagons. Oh yeah, all over. There's trails everywhere. They 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 didn't stick to one trail because there were so many people, Ryan, that there wasn't enough feed for the animals, so they had to deviate off the main trail and the dust, you know. So they made the, another trail a few miles over to the left or a few miles over to the right, and and just followed the same line. And uh, it's just it, it. And when I follow them. It, it just you're you're with them, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You're walking, and it's just amazing. You can see where they camp. Usually, there's a big round circle, and the sagebrush still hasn't grown back to this day. And you know they circled there and spent the night. So unbelievable, and a lot of people hear about the obviously the Donner party, but it sounds like there were a lot of other parties that had yeah. a real hard time. Oh yes. Yes, with what I'm finding there. Now, now the one where I told you about the 10-foot sagebrush, I'm watching this one really close because the big wash is starting to wash out some of the graves. And naturally, when that time comes, I'll have to rebury because, you know, you, you want to do the right thing and get them back in and uh, get them a new grave and get them buried again. But uh, time's changing, you know, so things change. And just got to do what you have to do. It sounds like it. What a fascinating pastime. What an amazing place that you have to go along. And mm-hmm. um, my last question is, have you been up near the Fort Bridger area? I think you'd mentioned you get pretty close. Yes. I actually follow. I've gotten a little smart with my old age, so I'm following them from their winter grounds to the summer hunting grounds. So they go up higher. They follow the game. You know, that was their number one thing is food and then shelter. So. I'm following them, and now I'm following them right past Fort Bridger and up up into the Uintas there, which is about the area where I, I seen the UFO. So That is very interesting, Otto, because that's real close to where I had my experience back in the late 90s. I mean, we'll have, we'll, have to, we'll have to touch base on exactly where. That is absolutely amazing. What time of, back to this sighting, what time of day or night was it? It was it was as as it was getting dusk, 
So there was still daylight, but you can tell the sun's going to be setting pretty soon. And that's what gave that, uh, when it dropped out of that rain cloud on that high peak, we could see that flashing light on it. Well, my grandson could. And then he, you know, he let, he, he let me know where it was at and we were watching it. It was just so cool to watch it material come get bigger as it was coming toward us. And, uh, it, it's something that I hope I can experience again. And if you had to guess, how big would you guess the size of it was? Well, um, I told you earlier, it was uh, 30 foot by 30 foot by 28 foot is what I walked off. That was the imprint I got on the ground when mm. I walked off. The, That's right. That's right. So, I mean, decent yeah. sized. Decent sized. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And there's been a lot of, uh, at least, you don't hear it as much anymore, but there used to be talk that on that uh, east side of the Uinta mountain range, and the Uintas are a strange mountain range because they go east to west instead of north to south. Correct. They're they're a little interesting anyways, but there are a lot of rumors that on that east side, there have been a lot of interesting craft, possibly military. Uh, For some time, people thought there might be a base of some sort located in the Uinta mountains up there. Have you seen any other craft that might be military in the area? Yeah, I have not seen anything like that. And and what makes me think this craft wasn't a government craft is because of those bodies. The dowsing gave them up. Mm-hmm. I know that for a fact that there's four bodies there. That is so phenomenal. Well, I can't I can't thank you enough for telling your story. It's a mind blower and I like how dowsing primarily has helped you figure out a lot of this out to find the bodies and it sounds yeah. like only about 40% of the people that do dowsing can do this, so you definitely have yes. a gift. I do, I do. And then when if, if the people that listen to you and they try it and they have it, they'll see what I mean. It is just, they can go to a graveyard and test themselves, you know, to see if they have the gift of the gender. And it just opens up a whole other world. And that's something I never thought of, was going to a graveyard to see how it works. Yes. Yep. There's the tattletale right there. Unbelievable. Yep. So if somebody is going to try to do this for themselves, would you recommend they start off with just the coat hangers or would you say, yeah, yeah just you do bet. start yeah, off a metal simple coat hanger will work just fine and just make an L shape and try to make them both about the same size and uh, go out and see if you have it. And, 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 some some of the some of my grandkids have it and some don't, so it doesn't mean that if one doesn't, the other one does. You know, it, it just varies. So. And and has your grand uh, child grandson picked this up as well? Does he have the he gift? He does not have the gift. Interesting. He does not have the gift. I I have it. He does not. That is just so cool. I mean, I, I remember going fishing with my grandpa and that was a magical experience. I can only imagine how amazing it is for him to partake in this amazing hobby with you. It's such a great I know. I know. And his mind's going now and he goes, You know what, Grandpa, I never dreamed we'd find all these graves on the trails we hiked all these years. I I didn't know they were here either. And uh, the meadow where we camp, we're surrounded by all of the burials around us, you know, because we camp right where the water comes out of the, the mountain. And we get to sit there and we just dream and, and, and think of what the, these people 
went through and what they've seen, and here we are seeing a craft, you know. So it is just so wild, Brian. I love it. Yeah, dowsing in UFOs are usually not in the same stories. So you have a, this is so unique. I think it's great. I'm, I'm glad that we got to talk about it. Yes, and I'll shoot you a few photos, and then you you can see. Oh, thank you so much, Otto. I hope to have you on again and chat some more and stay in touch. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, let me know what else you find. I appreciate you coming my way and and let me uh, air my story. Otto the Dowser from Utah, finding amazing things and interacting with amazing craft. There's been a lot of triangular craft seen Recently, and by recently, I mean this week and last week in the Uinta Basin of Utah, there was also a yoga sized uh, ball, um, according to our laser range finders, that we captured uh, just east of Space Wolf Research at our base camp there in Utah. This has been a big week. There was a purported cattle mutilation at our north uh, boundary there. And um, more is going to be revealed of all the high strangeness. Apparently, the cold is not keeping things down one bit. It's every bit as strange as it has been for quite some time. I was amazed to find that a lot of the areas that Otto discussed were areas that not only have long histories of high strangeness, but one particular area where he saw his craft is an area I saw a craft back in the late 90s. And the true story of the Oregon Trail is something that we could probably do a podcast the entire night about. It's amazing, amazing the amount of people that died along this trail. As mentioned, about 65,000 more or less. And that, according to Otto, that might be doubled if there really are as many bodies as he's saying. But that's a lot of people, half a million people crossing along the same trails, and times were tough. It sounds like uh, about 10% didn't make it for whatever reasons. And I was fascinated to find out that the majority of the shootings were suicide. It was just that hard. Sure, there was the occasional massacre, robbery, killing, theft, etc., but the majority of the shootings were self-induced because of hardship, starvation, sickness, and the like. Rough times along the Oregon Trail. And I hope we can have Otto back. I'm sure he will find more interesting phenomena on his journey of documenting finds along the Oregon Trail and using dowsing as his primary source of finding this evidence. So until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, and don't forget to take a look around. Come blast off in my time machine. Third eye feeling like an evisine. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Come blast off in my time machine. Third eye feeling like an Evi scene. Blast off, blast off, blast off.